Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. If you're a woman who is ready and willing to be a follower of Jesus, you're in the right place. Join me as we dive in deep to learn how to embrace your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. I'm your host, Darla Trindler, and I'm cheering you on. Welcome to your journey. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. I am Darla, your host, and I am very excited to be here. I'm always excited to be here because I love doing interviews. I love talking to other women. And I just believe that when we share each other's stories and we hear each other's stories, it binds us together as women and gives us a way to be a force that has to be reckoned with in this world. Today, my guest is Sharla Gettle, and I am really excited for the things that she is going to share with you today. So Sharla, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Darla. I'm looking forward to this. I, I am too. Will you just start off and just tell me a little bit more about you? Oh, I'd love to. Uh, I'm a mother of, of three teenage daughters. I'm a business owner. I um, love to travel. And I also am really concerned about the spirituality of our teenagers. It's something that I've spent a great many years thinking about and working to improve. I've been a uh, youth leader in the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints for almost every year of my adult life. I'm currently serving as a stake in one. We have a lot of parallel things. Um, <laughs> anyone who knows me, anyone who's followed me for any amount of time knows that I love teenagers. I really, I have always loved teenagers, even before I had teenagers of my own. I just think that there is so much good that they are doing in this world. And if we, they can just get a little guidance, they're going to do amazing things. They're already doing amazing things. So I really love, we're going to dive into that a little bit more and talk about a book that you wrote that's called spiritual resilience, leading our youth to go. And so you've taken all this experience that you've had and you wrote this book. So tell me what prompted the book. What made you decide to write it? I never had a plan to write a book. (laughs) This was not, this was not part of how I felt 2020 was going to (laughs) go, but I felt really compelled to add my perspective to the conversation. So many um, parents were coming to me with reoccurring questions that came up over and over again from many different families. And I recognized that there were some underlying foundational truths that answered so many of these questions. I felt like there were some gaps in the understanding of our teenagers, even those who were graduating out of um, the youth programs and those gaps still remained. And so I was trying to determine what I could do to improve that process, what I could do to fill some of these gaps. I recognized that it was a widespread problem. And yet I knew that there must be an answer available for this widespread problem. I too have an incredible amount of faith in our teenagers. I feel that they're the ones who are gonna come up with the great solutions and, and they're the ones who are gonna come up with the innovative ways to solve these problems that we face all the time. And so if they're going into this process with gaps in their understanding, then that hinders the miraculous progress that I think is certainly going to be coming. I wanted very much to support them. And I knew that in order to do, I had to support the parents who were teaching them. So I wrote this book. It's specifically written for parents and a boost of encouragement for them as they are striving to support their teenagers' spiritual growth. That is so good because as parents of teenagers, even if you don't have teenagers yet, you always need that boost. So I'm curious, what were some of the questions that you were getting that was prompting you to put this all together into a book? What were some of the questions that parents were asking you? 
They focused a lot on whether or not they could trust Christ with this situation or this situation. But what about this situation? And it all boiled down to whether or not they could trust Christ with these really personal details of their lives, whether or not there was a path forward for them individually, whether there was a path forward for their teenager individually. And so it's been a glorious process to be able to point out to these parents ways in which Christ leads us on an individual customized path, ways that Mm -hmm. we don't need to feel like we are placed in a spiritual highway that's crowded and jockeying for position amongst all the other families that are trying to go along this straight and narrow path. It's been wonderful to be able to point out those ways in which Christ teaches us and shows us doctrinally and also through our experience that our path is very individual and he has the capacity to lead us one by one. Oh, that's like the whole format of my podcast. Like that's everything that I'm trying to share is that, <laughs> that we have a unique journey. I loved how you said that a customized journey. That's just for us. Like, yes, to that completely. So what was your approach with the book? How did you help these parents answer those questions? Does the savior, is he able to address this issue with my teenager? What was your approach to that when you were writing the book? First, I needed to find, um, I needed to find those scriptures that supported this belief that I um, felt was prompting me through the Holy ghost. And I went searching through, um, the most likely place for me to find it. I went searching through the the scriptures, trying to find examples of other teenagers and how did they handle their situations? I'm sure you could probably name off many teenagers who have had a miraculous impact on the development and the building of Christ's kingdom, just to name a few examples, David or Mary or Samuel or Daniel, like there's all these examples. Nephi, however, is very unique. We get to hear so much about Nephi's life. We get to hear about his family. We get to hear about his his experiences. We get to hear about his development of faith and the challenges that he goes through one after another through several chapters. Whereas these other teenagers that are abundant in the scriptures, we only get to hear maybe a chapter or even just a few verses about them. But Nephi, we, we get a depth of information about Nephi. So as I went searching for better answers for parents, I didn't think I would find it quite as quickly as I did but it's all laid out in the book of Nephi. And I never read it under the perspective of a parent. I didn't ever uncover these specific instances of how Nephi actually built the foundation of his faith. What is it that he knew? How was he able to do what he did? What motivated him to do and to make the choices that he ultimately chose to make? By uncovering those motivations and uncovering his step-by-step process, I was basically able to reverse engineer how he built his faith. And so now I'm just trying to explain that to parents so that they have the opportunity to support that, that engineering process of building faith in their own families. You totally opened my mind too. If I would not have been the first person that I thought of, but I love how you point out there is so much of building Christ's church and the kingdom of God that happened with teenagers. Like you, I haven't thought of it quite in the same way that you just, that you just talked about that brought up a whole lot of new thoughts for me. I love that. I would love to know personal experience. Like how have you seen the things that you learned from Nephi that you wrote about in this book? How have you seen that help you with the youth that you're working with? either in your calling with your own children 
how have you seen that application and what does it look like? I feel like it goes step by step and he really encompasses it in his um, very famous, well-beloved verse of first Nephi three, seven, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded, for I know that the Lord giveth no commandment unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way that they may accomplish the things which he hath commanded. I think I got that exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was word for word. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a pattern there. And I never uncovered the pattern before. It starts with, I will. What is it that Nephi covenanted to do? How do those covenants um, make a difference in our own lives, how do those covenants bring us power? What, what rewards do we gain? How does it impact our daily life? I'm able to recognize that our covenants have very specific rewards for us. They're a two-way promise. We make a promise, but there are some huge guarantees that are rewarded to us in, the, um, in return. And those guarantees give us the framework for a more resilient faith. Our covenants create the environment where faith can be resilient. Go and do. Need put action behind his faith. What is it that we're asked to go and do? How do we build that motivation to go and do more? It starts with, for I know that Christ will provide a way for me. Nephi knew that Christ had an individual path for him. And so he was willing to follow it. He knew that he was being led to a place better than where he was before. We as parents, do we really know and recognize that we're being led to a place better than we were before? Do we know that for our kids? Do our kids know that I'm feeling pulled in this direction and it feels unfamiliar? It doesn't look the same as everyone else's. Can this really be led by Christ? The answer is yes, of course it can. Christ can lead you in the direction that's right for you. And you need to follow the Holy Ghost, follow the promptings of the spirit um, to lead that individual path. And that is completely within his power to do. I think it's important for us to recognize the depth of promise that Christ has given us. He is basically telling us that everything you could ever want, your very deepest desires can be granted to you through Christ's priesthood power. It's really that broad and it's really that all encompassing when he says that his kingdom is ours or that we can inherit his power or that he is preparing a way for us. It really means that he's wanting to give us everything that he has. I find that to be very motivating. Very much. So how do you recommend that a parent teach about covenants and these promises to a teenager? How do they How do you recommend getting that across to them and helping them to understand it for themselves? First, I think it's very important that teenagers understand and and know um, the terminology that we use in the temple. It's really important that they know what the five covenants are that we make in the endowment session. We make the, the covenants to keep the law of sacrifice, the law of obedience, the law of chastity, the law of consecration, and the law of the gospel. It's very important that parents talk to their teenagers about what these covenants are. Not only what does it mean for us to keep that promise, but what is it that we gain in return? I think it's first important that parents teach their children the covenants that we make in the endowment session. There are five covenants that we make in that endowment session. It starts with keeping the law of the gospel, and then the law of sacrifice, the law of obedience, the law of chastity, and finally the law of consecration. They build on one another. 
And there's some specific rewards that we gain from keeping these covenants. In the law of the gospel, we teach and we covenant to rely on the atonement of Jesus Christ and to use repentance often. But in return, we gain that promise of knowing that we can always be good enough. That no matter what we've done or or where we are in life, we can repent and we can be made better. And our efforts to progress are good enough for the Lord. That we can constantly and consistently be making those steps to be better and better. In the law of obedience, we promise to obey the commandments of Christ. But in return, we also gain that promise that he won't give us any commandment that we cannot personally keep. In the law of sacrifice, we promise to put the laws of Christ as our first priority. But in return, we also gain that promise that our sacrifices will always be worth it. Lehi's sacrifice was worth it. Nephi's sacrifice was worth it. And we have that promise through the temple that our sacrifices will always be worth it. In the law of chastity, we promise to keep ourselves sexually clean. But in return, the promise that we gain is that our capabilities will be greatly increased because we are not distracted by the many factors that chastity or the breaking of chastity can bring into our lives. We're given added power by keeping the law of chastity. It's not just a matter of what we cannot do. It's also a matter of all the things that we are more able to do because we keep the law of chastity. And then finally, in the law of consecration, we we promise to give Christ everything that we have. But in return, he promises to give us everything that he has. It's a massive promise. There isn't anything else that could be worth more than that. If teenagers really understood all that is promised to them in more relevant yet humble and honest ways, I believe their motivation to act in their own individual goodness increases. Powerful is the word that I'm thinking because I think sometimes we have a little bit of a gap where we don't focus on the promises. We just focus on, like you said, I was thinking law of chastity is a great example of that. Like we just focus on, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, but we don't always focus on the promises. And the way you just said that was beautiful. They're just rich and beautiful and powerful promises that we gain when we do those things. It's a two-way promise. It's a covenant. So I think that is so powerful, even for parents to understand better. And so once we understand that better, we can go out and help our children to understand that. And I can see how that's building spiritual resilience when your children can know for themselves and be able to dig in and do that like Nephi did. That's spiritual resilience. That's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I'm glad how you noticed that when parents can teach it, it has so much more meaning. I don't think you could talk to a child about spiritual resilience for 300 hours. I still don't think that it would... Um, be relevant for them unless they can see a life-size example. And parents are in the best position to provide that life-size example. They need to know what does a a person who is spiritually resilient act? What do they talk like? How do they interact with people? It's a million choices throughout the day. You can never never describe it. You can never write a book about it. It would have to be something that a child exemplified in someone else's life. So as parents can more deeply understand the promises that are available to to them, then their conversations change, their word choices change, their acceptance changes, and that affects the learning 
of their teenagers. I can see that thinking about repentance. I was raised like my parents were always right. They did everything. I'm not saying bad things about my perception. (laughs) That was my perception as a teenager. My parents can't do anything wrong. I've tried to switch that up a little bit. And I tell my kids, Mm -hmm. Hey, I messed up and I've got to repent for this. And if I need to ask for their forgiveness, I try to do that. And so I think that we can not only just sit down and have these conversations, but we can just be an example of using the atonement of Jesus Christ in our lives and and applying those promises to our own lives. I think that is so good. But the way that you've stated it, I cannot wait to read your book. This is so great. And and just teaching our kids, we're all making those covenants, but we have our own customized journey. Like we can do that. That's such good insights there. I really love that. Another thing we talked about before that I want to make sure we get to, because I'm very curious about this. I'm looking at my notes because you said that we can reimagine the symbols of righteousness. Okay. So let's dive into that. What does that mean? So there are many symbols of righteousness that I have in mind, such as there's the iron rod, there's the straight and narrow path, there's the doorway, the gateway, right? These symbols can sometimes feel exclusive, even elusive. Sometimes they can feel alienating or that we don't fit into the mold that symbol is describing. Unfortunately, I feel like that is a human construct. That's a human interpretation of a really um, divine symbol that Christ has given us. I think we need to imagine how these symbols apply. For example, knowing perfectly well that we are never going to be perfect, Christ gave us um, repentance because he knew that we would need to take the sacrament over 4,000 times. Mm -hmm. He knew that we would need that in our lives. And so he provided it. The iron rod isn't meant to be this guide for people who already know the way to go. The iron rod is a perfect example in that it stretches off into the distance and it doesn't matter where we are in relation to Christ. We have this iron rod that we can hang to and that we can hold on to that will take us directly to the, the gateway is it might be a door that only fits one person at a time or only a few at a time. But you remember that as you walk through a doorway, you retain your same independence. You retain your same virtue and self. You're true to yourself as you walk through that doorway. And so when Christ gave us that symbol, he recognized that we're still the same person before we walk through and we're the same person after we walk through. We retain our agency and our own individualism. The straight and narrow path, I think, is one that often gets uh, misconstrued. I really want to hear your thoughts on this because I've had a lot of thoughts about this. I want to hear what you think. (laughs) Let me share with you a scripture. Okay. That's perfect. That illustrates what I mean. Okay. So this scripture is found in both Isaiah and the book of Nephi. And it says, and it came to pass that in the last days, when the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So I want you to recognize a couple of things about that um, verse. One, it talks about multiple ways and multiple paths. It doesn't talk about one. 
Also, it mentions many nations as if there are many starting points. Instead of envisioning this straight and narrow path as, like I said earlier, this highway that leads up a mountainside, a crowded highway with traffic jams where people are trying to jockey for position, right? No one is going to get elbowed off this cliff of spiritual righteousness. (laughs) That is not a Christ. Let's instead imagine many paths around the base of a mountain and they're all leading upward They're all guided by the Holy Ghost. They're all leading towards Christ on the mountaintop. And each of these ways, each of these paths might go through different terrain. They might face different obstacles, but they're each equally capable of meeting the top. And they're each capable of navigating their, their own individual challenges. Can we instead imagine straight as not meaning straight like a line? but straight meaning that it leads directly from where we are, wherever we are, directly to Christ. Mm -hmm. Straight as in non-distracted, straight as in from me to Christ, from me to where he wants me to be. And then narrow, instead of envisioning narrow as if it means um, you only get a few choices Let's instead imagine narrow as meaning individual. This path is for me. Mm -hmm. This path is specifically customized for the knowledge that I need to gain or the experiences that I need to have in order to have a better perspective so that I can fill that puzzle piece that I'm missing. Can it, instead of meaning uh, straight as an arrow, can it also mean individual and led by the Holy Ghost in such a way that it's going to get me to Christ in the most efficient way possible. That's how I imagine straight. I love hearing your insights and your perspective on that because I've thought so much about that. And one of the things that I thought about was the word straight, if you spell it S-T-R-A-I-T, which is how it is spelled a lot in the scriptures. It's also spelled the other way. And I've read a lot about it. There's a debate about which way should be the right way, but But if you look up the word straight in the dictionary, it's just a narrow passage of water between two other bigger bodies of water. And when I think of straight, I think of, I imagine myself, I'm in this big body of water and I can see the other big body of water that I want to get to. And Christ is the straight. He is the way that I can get there. I love, love, love what you said about that. There is a way for each of us, but it's individual. It's not the, the same way. I think that's what you said. That's how I'm interpreting it. But Christ is the one. And I think of narrow, just that it's narrow because he wants to be close to us. He doesn't want us far away. He, he wants to pull us in. He's not trying to disqualify us or, you know, push us off the path. He's trying to pull us in close. And yeah, I just, I love what you shared. Like, I'm going to go back and listen to this and think about that more. I think that's so good to just rethink. We have this human way of thinking about these righteous symbols that we read about in the scriptures. There, there are other ways to think about them. I really love that. What what would you add to any, anything that you want to add about that? I would add that this interpretation is something that I've prayed about and that the Holy Ghost has prompted me about, but all of us are going to also have a different um, take on many different symbols. And that's led through the Holy Ghost as well. This might be a lesson that I need for my journey right now, but there's going to be lessons that you need for yours. Right. 
And the Holy Ghost is going to lead that process as well. And it evolves. That's what's beautiful about it. And I think it really is good to share those things. You don't want to share the most personal things, but to share, this is my interpretation of this. And to say, this is just my interpretation. You can figure out for yourself what that looks like. But when we share those things, it opens other people's minds to say, well, how could I reimagine those symbols? What, what does that look like for me? And I don't know if giving permission is the right word, but it just helps other people to say, oh, it's not so this one way or the way that I've always been taught. I could think about this in a different way, or I can use the Holy Ghost to help me figure out what it means to me. That's the point. That is totally the point. I love that. So good. The time has flown by. (laughs) This has been really great. I have loved talking to you and hearing, hearing more just your perspectives and, and why you wrote this book and how it can help parents and teenagers to gain the spiritual resilience that we know we need in at this time right now. So I do have one final question for you, Charlotte, and that is how have you seen and felt the savior in your journey on the covenant path? That's a really personal question. I love that you asked that to all of your guests, because I think that's where the real power lies. That's where it lies for me. It took me several months to get up the courage to write a book. It, it took me several months to feel like I had something to say that was going to be helpful to someone other than myself. I wouldn't have gotten to that point if it weren't from the promptings of my Savior. It wouldn't have gotten to that point without many prayers and sitting in the temple and fasting about it. All the credit goes to him. All the credit for any knowledge or any progress that I've made personally in my marriage, as a parent, in my other relationships, the credit goes to Christ. He has been there along my covenant path And I am only wishing that I could be more able to serve him in the way that he needs. Beautifully said. Charlotte, thank you so much for being here. If people want to find your book or find out more about what you're doing, where would be the best places to go for that? The book is actually going to be available in select Deseret Books starting in the next few weeks, mostly in Utah. It'll also be available on DeseretBook.com. Alternatively, it's available right now in paperback, hardback, ebook, audiobook through Amazon. Awesome. I'm going to be go, going to download it onto my Kindle. So <laughs> excited to read it. And thank you so much for being here and, and just sharing your journey. I know that it will help someone else. Thank you. I certainly hope so. Before we jump into this week's journal questions, I just want to remind you why I give you journal questions. It's because I feel so passionately that I want you to do something besides just listen to a podcast and think, oh, that was nice. I want you to do something with something that you've heard. So I give you journal questions as a way to do that. You can take these journal questions as a jumping off point, write your own answers, or think about the things that you felt prompted to do as you listened. One great way that you can act is to go and get Charlotte's book. Since I did this interview, I have actually read her book. I have a million notes. It was so good and so many things that I want to apply to my family. So that's why I give you these journal questions. I just want you to act. I want you to do something about what you heard today and what the Spirit is prompting you to do. Okay, so now here are this week's journal questions. One of the questions Sharla frequently heard from parents was this, can I trust Christ with the personal details of my life and of my teen's life? How can you turn those personal details over to him?
What are the ways you have seen God fulfill his promises to you through your covenants? How can you share how you've seen God fulfill promises with your children or others? Act on the ways you feel prompted to share. Charlotte discussed reimagining symbols of righteousness, such as the iron rod, the straight and narrow path, and taking the sacrament. She shared that we can each seek for our own interpretation of what the symbols mean. What do you think of when you think of symbols of righteousness? When you read scriptures, ponder, and journal about these symbols, what do you feel the Spirit telling you they mean? Write your thoughts. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and if you did, please share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on Apple Podcasts. This actually helps more women find the podcast and embrace their own journey on the covenant path. To find more ways to be a part of the Spiritually Minded Women community, head over to spirituallymindedwomen.com. For more inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedwomen. Have an amazing day. I'm cheering you on in your journey.